We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 205 On this episode, we've got some news And then we'll be talking about recent episodes of Almost Human Sleepy Hollow, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Arrow, and Doctor Who, uh, the 50th anniversary special, plus uh, some TV on DVD picks. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 205. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... I am Joe Dilworth from Pop Culture Zoo and the Flickcast. And this is Kyle Nolan from noreruns.net. All right, thank you uh, both for joining me. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you back. for having me on. Yeah, we say it at the same time in stereo. <laughs> yes. All right, uh, I'm just glad that reading through there that I called it Marvel's Agents of Shield instead of Marvin's Agents of Shield. I was waiting to see if you said Marvin. <laughs> that's, that's such an unwieldy title, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, come on. Should have just been Shield or Agents of Shield, I think. But yeah, you know. it's just uh, yeah, it could have just been Marvel's Shield or something <laughs> if they wanted to keep the get the Marvel name in there. But no, a couple of weeks ago, Amory started to call it Marvin's Age of Shield for some reason, and <laughs> and then it got stuck in my head. And then when I was doing the introduction last week, I started to say it, and, and it's like, ah, it's there. But it's, I'm just going to call it that on purpose. Now. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Marvin has some really good ideas for the show. It could be. Yes. All right. Well, we'll jump into the news. A uh, few things here. Uh, the CW announced uh, that instead of uh, doing a backdoor pilot for The Flash in Arrow, that they will now be filming its own uh, separate pilot, uh, just uh, as normal TV shows go through pilot season, which is uh, and which is interesting, but also uh, I think probably a good idea in that they did a, they did the spinoff with the uh, the originals from Vampire Diaries. Right. And as a backdoor pilot, which worked, but then they they tried to do – they weren't sure, like, how to introduce the characters in, like, a regular first episode because they had already done it. And so they did this <laughs> – they did this sort of, like, hybrid episode where they basically told the same story but from a different person's perspective, which was interesting. But you also felt like you were saying – seeing the same stuff, uh, you know, over again if you – you know, if you were watching this show, you had likely seen you know, the Vampire Diaries episode, and so right. I, I kind of like uh, the idea. They're still going to introduce, uh, you know, the uh, the character in Arrow in like episodes eight and nine, but he won't. Uh, he as was previously going to be in episode twenty, he was going to turn into the Flash. That uh, that will now not be taking place. They'll uh, leave that to. Uh, do its own episode, which will hopefully, which will hopefully be good, and we'll get to see <laughs> next fall. Well, here's what I love about the whole mysticism of uh, you know television production and um, <clears throat> executives and things like that, because uh, for, according to the press release, at, at least um, their comments were that these two, I guess it's a two-parter that Barry Allen is going to appear on, who becomes the Flash on Arrow. And their uh, wording is that we got such a huge response or it's such a positive response to those episodes that we're going to go ahead and give him his own pilot. 
but those ap- episodes haven't aired yet. So <laughs> who, who gave this huge positive response to it? Yeah, the uh, apparently it was the the executives and the few people that have <laughs> gotten a chance to. <laughs> Or the so, actor so, playing Barry Allen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's really excited. He's like, <laughs> I just saw the episodes I were in, and they were outstanding. <laughs> so, so what happens if they air, and everyone's like, "That's stupid. I can't stand that." Do they? <laughs> are they going to like reverse that decision? Well, maybe we should introduce them on it. It's just that that whole thing about unaired episodes getting such a huge positive response always. Makes me laugh because, <laughs> as you said, it's got to be you know executives or marketing people or somebody like that that's seen it, not like actual viewers or somebody sent send on the press release a couple weeks early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, they we're sure they'll have a big positive response. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, who know who knows what that type of stuff? I I think that you know it would have been interesting to see. You know, you would have got to see him this season you know so that would have been uh, right you know actually uh you know I, I my assumption was that he was going to gain his powers in in the 20th episode of arrow uh but uh i don't know i kind of like it that uh sure you introduce the the character and there 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 could be possible crossover in the future but i kind of like the idea of arrow being arrow and this means we're going to get you know, another episode of Arrow at the, at the, at the end of yeah, the season exactly. instead of, instead of, you know, like a mostly Flash episode with, you know, that, that Arrow is sort of the side character in, which is sort of a weird, uh, you know, type of hybrid thing that happens when they do these backdoor pilot type of things. It's it's also good. It's also good for people like me who aren't really watching Arrow. Like I don't feel like I missed the pilot if I <laughs> if you decide miss that episode. If you yeah. decide you to go. check it out when it comes out itself. Although I suppose I'm probably cynical enough to read into that that because you know Arrow is probably going to shoot the twentieth episode. Probably not this year, but pretty soon into the you know 2014. So my cynical take on that is we've been working on this script because we knew we were introducing the character, and it's not quite working, and we need some more time. So let's give it its own pilot, so we have plenty of time to make this right. Which is not a bad thing because it would be it would be bad if they're like, no, we're going to do this, and it turned out to be kind of lame, and then nothing happened as far as the series, whereas if they have time to develop it as its own separate thing in a pilot, then they they have the double thing of um, being able to spend enough time on it, make it right, and make it good. And since they've introduced Barry Allen and Arrow, they can still do crossovers between the two. Yeah. And I, well, I think that you also give – where you end up giving the full – you get the full allotment of time to introduce the – the, char- the character, you know, sort of reintroduce the character, but then also show him gaining his powers. You get like the right. whole episode to do that. You're not also having like a, a some sort of Arrow B storyline or having a weird Arrow episode where Arrow does almost doesn't appear in it at all. You yes. know, t- type of yeah. thing, which is even which is would be uh, you know kind of strange that way too. So I don't know. Either way, I'm looking forward to it. You know, uh, it'll be interesting to see. We'll get a you know. We will get a little taste of what the Barry Allen side of the character uh, will possibly be like because there's uh, – unless <laughs> unless these episodes don't get <laughs> – and all of a sudden Flash gets recast into the new <laughs> episode. 
Well, it's sort of weird for uh, on the Arrow perspective because since the beginning of the season, they've been like teasing like these news clips of this new like power generator they're creating at Star Labs that is controversial. And I'm assuming my assumption was that they were throwing that in there because that's what was going to give Barry Allen the flash powers. So they've been kind of teasing these news reports and then it's just going to like nothing's going to happen. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so what was the point of highlighting these newscasts and then not paying it off? So that'll be kind of weird. Well, maybe they'll uh I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll still play into the story, but you won't know that Barry Allen gained his powers that way until you see the <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> You'll find out in the flash pilot that oh wait he was at the uh, he was actually there. All right, we'll do a flashback. <laughs> what else? <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> okay, and on that note, we'll move on to the next item on the list, uh, which is uh, Lifetime is renewed uh, Witches of East End for a second season, uh, which uh, I think is cool because I like the show. So that uh, that's good. I ha- I have not watched this one yet. I'll be I only watched. I only saw the pilot. I didn't watch beyond that. It's uh well you know this is a TV season. You know witches are the are the new zombies are the new vampires. Uh, Yay. Type of thing. So. <laughs> or if you're watching American Horror Story Coven, you get witches well, and zombies. Go. So. <laughs> I am interested in watching Witches of East End because I. Um, even though it's on Lifetime, I've heard good things about it, and um, some people, two two ladies that I really like, uh, Wendy and Lisa, provide the music for it, so I always support them. So I, I am kind of um, – uh, I haven't been harassed by their manager to uh, to watch it, but um, I'm friendly with their manager who is also married to one of them, and she has been uh, – encouraging me to watch the show. So I need to give it a, I need to give it a chance. And, I think, and I think it's worth watching. I, I think it has an interesting sort of backstory mythology that they start to roll out that, uh, uh, that's, that's an, that's interesting and feels while, you know, witches still have powers and they, they still, you know, can conjure up spells and, you know, all this type of stuff, you know, that you would expect from, which is the, the sort of backstory and things like that, and story that they're telling feels different and new in that sort of genre of story to me. So that that was what was interesting to me. And the cast is uh, drop dead gorgeous. So that doesn't. <laughs> well, there you go. That doesn't that's, hurt. That's always a draw. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. you well, know, the... there's no you're not watching any ugly witches. That's a. <laughs> well, these tell me that this isn't like Charmed redone, is it? I mean, it's it separates itself from that, or is it along those lines? No, we're we're gonna get charmed redone. Uh, <laughs> it's itself. No, no. It, oh, good. It uh, the only thing, the only thing that uh, the house that they live in sort of reminds me from the outside of the charmed house. But other than that, that it, you know, it it does have, uh, you know, it's all it's mostly a female cast, uh, right? That are the witches and stuff like that. But I think the story that they're telling is interesting and different than things that, uh, you know, that I've seen before, like charmed and stuff like that. Okay. I'll give it a chance. And, uh, lastly, uh, on the news list, uh, USA network has canceled uh, necessary roughness after three seasons, which, uh, I don't know. I kind of like the show, but, uh, 
not like overly disappointed to see it go either. It sort of was in that middle ground USA Network show that were kind of fun. <laughs> and I watched them when they were on over the summer, you know, because there's a little bit less to watch and stuff. But uh, not surprising. They they kind of you could you can kind of tell from a series like that, that the writing was on the wall a little bit in that this last season they completely changed it up from the first two seasons because they were like, well, we're going to give it one more shot, but we're going to do something completely different. See if we can, <laughs> you know, and it, that's never a good sign. <laughs> it didn't, I mean, the, it, it did add some interesting stories and things to the, you know, to the show, but it also didn't do any, didn't do anything into cre- increase the raise, you know, the ratings or anything. It still pretty much did. Uh, the same as it had done before, and uh, which I suppose was barely enough to get it, you know, into a third season, <laughs> and not enough to get it into a fourth. Ah, uh, well, again, that's another one I haven't watched, so I I won't miss it. But I I understand the fans will. Yeah, I quit halfway through the second season. the The new change up sounded interesting, but I already had way too much stuff to watch. <laughs> I didn't bother to uh, try it again. So there you go. Send your emails to Kyle. He was the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He was the one one that wasn't interested in the change-up, didn't watch. (laughs) All right. It's all your fault. (laughs) Okay. We'll jump into the primetime section, and uh, we've got uh, five shows uh, to talk about this week. Uh, The first up is uh, Almost Human, uh, Season 1, Episode 1, The Pilot, and Episode 2, Skin. Uh, so uh, we'll start. Uh, we'll start with you, Joe. What did you think of uh, Almost Human? Uh, this is one that I was sort of, uh, based on the previews, kind of going. Mm, I'm not sure. I mean, based on the cast, I was willing to give it a shot. Um, and even though it comes from Abrams, JJ, the JJ Abrams factory of uh, shows. Um, I, he, they do a really good job of setting up shows. Um, I think. Uh, kind of the execution and the follow-up down the line is uh, something that's uh, worthy of debate at some point. But um, it had enough of a pedigree that I was willing to give it a shot, even though it was kind of sketchy on the premise. I was uh, – I'll say I was pleasantly surprised by the pilot. It was a stronger pilot than I thought. And then immediately with the second episode, it, it felt like to me the difference between the pilot and the second episode was what most shows go through from the beginning of the season – to the end of the season it was it just seemed like a quantum leap uh above what the first episode was like they just the show just clicked all of a sudden um so i I really like it i like the relationships they've set up um i like sort of um you know they they give us enough of a uh arc mystery or some questions about some things going on in the background to keep us um, intrigued. So yeah, it's a, it's a strong show. It's a good sci-fi show, but it's not a sci-fi show where, you know, they're going to pull out gadgets that are going to just completely mystify us and save the day. At least I hope they're not, they haven't so far. I mean, we have some sort of, uh, future technology, but it's not set so far ahead that it's, you know, kind of you know, akin to magic. It's, uh, I, I, <laughs> hopefully they, you know, hopefully they won't rely on, you know, super futuristic gadgets to resolve a storyline or stuff like that. They, they seem to be relying on the smarts of Carl Urban's character uh, combined with his uh, synthetic pal to 
drive the stories and to resolve the storyline. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board. I uh, will definitely watch it. I, I assume it's getting strong enough ratings that it has a chance of sticking around for a while. How about you, Kyle? I, I agree with Joe. I, I definitely thought the second episode was was much better. Uh, when I first saw the pilot, I wasn't completely sold. I, like Amory, I'm, I, I've never been a Michael Ely fan. But surprisingly, as an android, he seems to have more personality than he did on his previous shows. So, But I, I'm actually really enjoying him on this show. I think, he, I think the relationship between him and... Um, uh, John, uh, the character of John, they've got a good relationship there, and I, I think it, it works well. The production value in the show, I think, is really great. I mean, it, it feels like it's in the future. It's not just like they have like one little set that they're that they're using. I mean, everything they seem to look at all the small details, and it, it actually works really well. And the the cases have been interesting. The the one thing I noticed, um, they changed the 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 ending of the pilot right from the screener yeah because it the, was like a big revelation at the end that didn't happen when i rewatched it when it yeah, aired. they sort of they more hint at it in the the version that they they went after their you know at the end of the the pilot that that airs they're showing uh them searching for whatever they were trying to break in for they just you know they haven't found it yet in the original one you know they find it and they mm, and okay. they open and they open the box and you get this big re, you know kind of reveal and so I'm assuming that they're saving that that they either decided to go with a different reveal <laughs> of what will be in the box or they decided that they would that that reveal would be better served if they hint at it and play out a little bit because there's also there's also a brief scene in the middle of the pilot that wasn't there in the original one uh, where they're they're sort of working on like a headless android, you know, that this group is or whatever. So there were, there was a couple other things that, that hinted at, at that storyline going forward. The thing that felt weird to me about the second episode was it felt like the seventh episode is, is it felt like while they had sort of come to an understanding by as partners, by the end of the first episode, they felt like they had been partners for like, a while now like they they weren't still it it seemed like the second episode they should still be filling each other out a little bit more i don't know they almost seemed a little i mean good on the show that everybody feels comfortable and in the and the cast is gelling together but it almost felt a little weird in that it was in the second episode and you're i'm not sure really like how far past the like how how far past is this this story taking place past where the the story of the pilot took place. And the other thing that felt a little weird in the second episode is that there seems to be, there was no mention really of that. There's like, not even like off to the side, like that they're still searching the warehouse or, right. Or that, uh, or about, you know, his former girlfriend, you know, there wasn't that, that also felt a little weird. I mean, the story itself was good and I'm, I'm intrigued by the, the world that they've set up, I think they can tell lots of interesting, you know, stories, uh, you know, playing on things, you know, that you're just starting to think of now, like, you know, what does the future of certain types of technologies mean? They can like put some of these things into action, uh, you know, 
down the road, like, you know, and they jumped straight into it in the second episode with a sex bot, you know. I, I hope they're not airing episodes out of sequence because it would be jarring if, you know, the second episode is like, hey, buddy, let's go get some coffee in the third episode. I hate you, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, so. yeah, I don't know. It, it also – they also uh, – which you knew was something that was, you know, going to be there, the sort of Carl Urban and Detective Stahl – but they that also seemed that they dropped that in there really early, you know, when it's only the second episode. That's uh, true. I mean, it, it was yeah. it was a good line where where Michael Ely's character or Dorian's like, you know, you just described <laughs> Detective Stall, <Yes>. right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it that was the only thing is the, that that <laughs> felt a little early, while the rest of the episode felt like it was way down the line from the the first episode. But overall, I'm definitely intrigued by the show and. Uh, yeah. You know, looking forward to, to to keeping up with it on a on a weekly basis. And I just want to say that my favorite complaint is Amory's from last week's podcast that Michael Ely's eyes are are dead. And I was just like, but he's a robot. It should work. <laughs> that shouldn't bother See, there you. you. Go. That shouldn't bother you. He's playing a robot. Uh, exactly. I- I mean, I told you, this is like the best I've ever seen him on, on this show. Like, it works. <laughs> uh, all right. Poor guy. Well, we'll move from uh, robots to uh, Headless Horseman and talk a little uh, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, the last episode was uh, Season 1, Episode 8, uh, Necromancer. And uh, Kyle, we'll start with you this time. What did you think of uh, the reveal of the backstory of the... Uh, the headless horseman i thought it was interesting it, it wasn't what i expected it to be um but I, I thought it was interesting that that it's like his friend his partner that he like stole the girl from and uh and that was kind of interesting what what i found a little odd like you talked about jumping jumping ahead like the whole thing with abby's sister like all of a sudden she seemed to become like this super cop joining uh like she's fresh out of the insane asylum but she's like now like given a gun and and helping out as like a super cop uh with this investigation that seemed a little weird to me how they jumped ahead with that i mean not that i didn't like that i mean it was interesting to watch but it just seemed a little abrupt well maybe her joining in a little bit but they've given her a backstory of you know that she's been traveling the world (laughs) you know secretly uh, acquiring things and and uh, you know and has known a little bit about this stuff much longer than you know than yes. her sister has. So while the her sort of becoming the you know the de facto partner of the captain there for an episode was maybe a little strange. Her skill set is definitely they've given her that backstory, so that wasn't that wasn't strange to me. Yeah, it it was also good to see John Cho back. Uh, although I don't know why they thought they could trust him. Like, why you would ever stick him in the same room as that uh, as the headless horseman? Yeah, and, I mean, just and who would ever get him in there that, do a conversation? You know, for future reference, if you're frisking a dead person, you need to check inside too, <laughs> not not just the outside. That's this is a situation like I ask on many TV shows and movies. It, do they not have genre TV shows and movies in this universe? Have you never watched them? I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a 
Kind of like The Walking Dead. You're like, apparently, there was never any such thing as a zombie movie (laughs) in the world of The Walking Dead because everybody has a different name for them, and it's never a zombie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, I thought thought they did a good job. You know, it it gave you sort of an answer to, to something. You know, partway through the episode, you... You, you kind of knew where it was going, but, you know, it was interesting to to start, you know, mixing some more of these things. Having her sister out, I think, will be, you know, interesting. Having the captain finally see something that he can't, like, try and explain away in his brain. <laughs> he's, yes. he's like, that he's like, okay, <laughs> what you've been, I've been trying to, I've been, you know, sort of the denial, deny, deny, deny. It's not true. <laughs> But finally, him seeing something, so you know he's now on board, and uh, I think it'd also be interesting to see what the uh, you know sort of Abby's ex, how he ends up playing into things, because now that he's seen the dead John Cho character, and uh, he's been doing some other things, how will that uh, play into the story at some point? Uh, I I just uh, I I have to say, going into it, uh, Sleepy Hollow was the one pilot. Where at the end of it, I was just like, "Huh, I don't know." Like, I wasn't, I wasn't against it, and I wasn't for it. I was just, I watched it a second time, and I was still sort of in the same place. But after, but you know, deciding to watch and watching these episodes, who would I would have never would have never pegged it going in that it would be my favorite new show <laughs> of the fall season on the you know on on the hour long drama side of things. That, that's my whole thing with Sleepy Hollow. There's every season there are a handful of shows that uh, whatever network they're airing on are you can tell are built to be the new trendy show or the new cult show that everybody's going to watch. And those are the ones I always tend to avoid because I'm like, eh, it's going to be stupid. And Sleepy Hollow was one of those. When I saw the previews for it, I'm like, this is got to be the stupidest thing i've ever seen this is gonna be horrible i'm not gonna watch that and against my better judgment i was like okay i'll watch the pilot and now i'm freaking hooked on the show and can't stop watching (laughs) and i don't know why because if i sit there and analyze it i'm like well you know what though i'll say i say that but there's not really a lot of holes i can poke into it because they seem to really they they've got the humor there um, I, I've said from the beginning that they've handled well the whole Ichabod being the fish out of water thing. I, I've always detested in past shows where like every little thing like freaks them out or uh, they make some comment on. And while they do have a fair amount of that in this, they also have made the comment where he is, where he says himself, "I am an intelligent, per- you know, guy. I do. He can surmise some things and figure things out on his own, and he knows he's in the future. It's not like." Oh my God! Am I really in the future? And what's this ringing thing and stuff? You know, he, <laughs> he he's actually able to figure out most things, and they play that sometimes for comedic effect. But um, I, I think they keep they keep sort of the seriousness there and play those straight as well, and it works out. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I think also the fact that they've structured the first season being thirteen episodes, they've already renewed it for a second season of thirteen episodes. Um, that leads me to believe that the storytelling is going to stay tight because they only have you know x amount of episodes um, 
per season to tell their story. And we're already on episode eight. We're getting some reveals. We're getting more information. So they're not – it isn't going to be like you know, like the Headless Horseman. We won't find out the Headless Horseman, who he is until season five. You know, it's well, – no, we're going to go ahead and tell you and move the story forward. So I, I appreciate – the way they've built the characters and the way they keep moving the story forward. It doesn't ever feel like it's getting stagnant or that they're treading water. So, uh, and this episode I think was a, a good example of that. They gave us a lot of information. Um, and then they, and they moved the story forward, like you said, by bringing the captain into it. Um, he always seemed to me, uh, someone that, he wasn't completely skeptical, but it was more like, I just don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll give you the leeway to do what you need to because somebody's got to. And then at this point, he's like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm in. Let's go. You know, <laughs> when you're standing, well, when you're standing face to no face with the headless horseman, <laughs> you, yes. you, you pretty much have to, you know, uh, go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So everything that you guys have been talking about is true. All right. And Orlando Jones plays it perfectly because he's like, all right, yeah, so there's a headless guy there. He has a moment and he's like, all right, well, what do we got to do? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I think, you know, the the show it, it has, you know, it's kind of completely crazy, but you buy it in that they've set the world up in the right way that everything that goes on you believe takes will, you know, can take place in the the world that they've set up. So there's no like you're going, oh, that wouldn't happen type of thing because they've set it up so well, you know, after a yes. handful of episodes that you're just like you buy into the once you buy into the premise and everything fits within that. And, you know, they have fun with some stuff. It's not, uh, you know, they don't they take themselves like just seriously enough, you know, that they're because uh, at first, you know, I was the thing I was kind of worried about. I was like, is this going to go like completely campy? Or are they right. going to go like? Are they going to try and play this completely seriously? Because uh, you know, in that first episode, you have you have the headless horseman with a automatic rifle you know, <laughs> like, walking down Main Street, and you're just yes. like, wait, you know, are, what is this? What is this show going to be? And uh, it's turned out to be a lot of fun. Is what it's turned out to be. Yeah, I mean, I think they play each of those scenes. Um, I don't want to say straight, but kind of straight-faced in a way, but more maybe more real. And they don't go too much dramatic on it. They don't go too, you know, wink at the camera about it. They play it. They just found this perfect rhythm where they can play it in the middle, and it's like, oh, this is great. And it's like, so now whatever outrageous stuff they want to throw at us, it's like, bring it, you know. <laughs> yeah, they just own. They just own the craziness and play it like it's like. Yep, this is what's happening. They believe like, it, yeah. so you believe it. You know? <laughs> so yeah. you're on board, and then they give you the fun stuff, you know, with the, uh, you know, Abby teaching him about baseball, or him accidentally getting into a conversation with the OnStar agent, or 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 <laughs> yes. in the, in the uh, I think it was the what was the the previous episode where he, he accidentally he accidentally stumbles upon the porn site while trying yes. to use his computer. Yes, uh, you know. They, and, uh, you know, just, uh, 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 you know, a lot of fun or even, you know, just the way he like leaves a message, you know, he actually uses the phone, but he leaves a message in such a way that it was like he was writing a letter, you know, back in the yeah, day. That was, that was brilliant. I, I like that they, the things they make uh, humor with, not that 
the voicemail is going to be mystifying to him. It's that he doesn't, you know, uh, obviously doesn't know the colloquialism for doing voicemail. So he does it as if he's composing a letter. Like you said, it was that the way they do that is great. Instead of him just being, I have this beeping contraption thing is mystifying me because I'm a, you know, invalid from, you know, the 1700s. No, they, he's a smart enough guy that he can kind of play along. But, yeah, there's he doesn't understand how we use them in everyday life. So his way of doing it is going to be different. And uh, that's, what, to me, where it gets really fun and interesting. But they've also, you know, there's this huge story. So they've also played off as, you know, he's got bigger things on his mind. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, like the coming apocalypse, you know, just yes, nothing that, huge. That kind of thing. Yeah. You, you think know. that's more important than bottled water? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, I would think learning to use a coffee maker would be the f- most important thing, but that's just me because I'm a coffee fanatic. But. All right. Well, I think that's enough uh, Sleepy Hollow. And uh, we'll move on to uh, the third show on our list uh, today, and uh, which is uh, Marvel's uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 1, Episode 8, uh, The Well. And uh, I have to say, good episode unto itself. Advertising it as it plays into Thor, completely ridiculous and, <laughs> and stupid and just a total waste. The, uh, the only tie-in is basically them at the beginning participating in the cleanup <laughs> of the, the aftermath of what happened in Thor. Uh, you know, the... the the dark world and and then it felt just extra strange in that okay so the story of the week is going to also be asgardian this story right. could have taken place any time <laughs> it could have been the 20th episode you know it was a good story and it was interesting and i liked it that it tied into the bigger sort of mythology you know but tying in Another Asgardian character storyline next to it felt it felt it didn't feel right. It felt weird. It made the episode not as good as it it really was uh, because you just felt like this doesn't tie into Thor. This is just sort of like a side story. It it would it seemed to me like this would have worked better just somewhere in the series. It would have made for a good story without trying to say that somehow this ties into, uh, you know, the Thor mythology or something like that. What do you think, Joe? Um, I, I liked it as a story unto itself. I agree that the hype of it um, tying into Thor was a little too much. And that may be I, – I don't know if that I – th- I think it went the way that the writers obviously wanted it to go and the producers. And I think it was the whole marketing thing, talking about the mysteries of TV making that, hey, here's an opportunity to tie this into Thor. And they're like, no, nah, it doesn't really, but OK, whatever. Um, yeah, it kind but- of felt more like maybe the the sort of the things they've been doing where they attach it to you know stories that have taken place in the movies. And right. the writers wrote, we'll do this little fun bit at the beginning – you know, and then tell this yeah. other story, and then they mar- and then the marketing crew came behind and went, "Ooh, <laughs> let's, yes. let's let's say it ties in a lot with the Thor movie." Yeah, I, I'm definitely enjoying Marvel's agents. Marvel's agents of Shield. See, it's such a mouthful, but um, <laughs> I, I will freely admit that the show started off um, radically uneven. 
I think it's been improving week to week. Um, I'm certainly on board with it. My my gripe and my annoyance that uh, I'm having with the show is the whole mystery of Coulson. And in general, it's a, a problem I have with TV shows that have that sort of built-in ongoing mystery is that the longer you drag it out and the longer you go, you risk the answer you give being less and less satisfying. This is something I think they need to resolve like mid-season. And the thing that also annoyed me about that was that here we had this just wonderful scene between him and Peter McNichol where it looks like Holson finally gets at peace with that. Yeah, there's something going on with me, but, but I'm happy and I'm healthy. So it doesn't matter who cares. And then they got to completely ruin that with a little scene at the end where he has a nightmare about Tahiti. And it's like, so either, either have him come to terms with it and be at peace with it and let us be at peace with it or, tell us what the hell's going on and let's get this over with because now it's getting to the point where it's starting to drive his character and while I'm not against that it's a, it, I don't know somebody in the show needs to figure out what's going on with him even if his character doesn't and even if all the characters don't we need to know and let's just get that out of the way so that we're not sitting here at the end of the season going oh so they did just use Asgardian elixir to bring him back to life okay big deal who cares you know they may not have figured out what what's happening. <laughs> well, that could be. <laughs> you you might be right there. Well, then again, though, my my argument with those kind of things is if you don't know the resolution and the you fallout, start it. don't create it. Yes, yeah. exactly. No, yeah, don't put yourself in that box. That, oh, we'll we'll figure. Here's the you know, or or here's the twenty options. We'll we'll figure yeah. out which one is the best as we go along. Uh, I think uh, it. It you know this sort of that scene that you're talking about I think would have kind of worked. You could have sort of put the story to bed for a while where he's fine. Yeah, and you could have put the mystery off that way by not really having anybody mention it or you know anything really. He's you know he seems fine with it, and then you know something towards the end of the season happens to him that makes him you know start yes. thinking about it again or something. But instead, they put that end tag on there that brings it right back. After, no, after like, you know this whole beautiful scene, yeah, after a commercial, I, you know, one commercial yeah. break away from closing it off, they bring it right back. If you could have just edited, the, you know, had one commercial too many and not had that scene, it yeah. would have been perfect. You could have turned off your TV before you watched it. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe I should uh, not watch the not watch scene. the end tags. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but but you got, you guys were complaining about the Thor. I'm probably like the only person that hasn't seen the second Thor movie. So to me, I I wasn't really sure what was revealed in that. Like I don't remember anything about them revealing in the first movie that the Asgards were aliens and not gods, or is that just, you were just supposed to know that because they're on some other planet? Well, like, basically, you know, you the Earth didn't know about aliens really fully until the Avengers. Yes. You know, that, you know, that it, it's sort of, uh, Thor sort of takes place in like a small town where you're pretty sure that S.H.I.E.L.D. did their best to bury it into sort of a, you know, there might be rumors or things come about from it. Uh, but, uh, it wasn't until the Avengers that you really knew, uh, about. And so this was just them. They're at the, the college where, you know, the, the end of Thor takes place and they're going through the wreckage and things that have been found, which makes sense based on the story that we saw a few weeks ago of the, 
with the the helmet from one of the aliens, you know, that attacked New York. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it makes sense that you'd want to try and make sure, you know, you do an even better job of cleaning things up now. But, you know, that that worked. But that would have been fine. But to me, it it seemed like that would have been a fine tie-in. You know, they're making reference to what just happened in the movie that you may or, you know, whether you've seen it or not, you know that it took place. Uh, that would have been fine, but it felt to me that the the main story, also being Asgardian, but then just a completely different part of the myth mythology, just felt weird to me. Like Tack, tacked on because well, it was see, just like, oh, we're here cleaning this up. Oh, we just got a call that uh, such and such is taking place. Oh, hey, look, it just happens to also be Asgardian. Just like, you know, and you're just like, and it, and it just felt like for those people that were like, oh, this ties into Thor, this was like, this doesn't tie into Thor at all. This is like, you're thinking about Thor and you get Peter McNichol. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> type of thing. You know, it's like, wait, uh, this, I think this storyline would have been really great, like, weeks from now, and that the tie into Thor would have been fun at the beginning of this episode and they get called away to any other case and it didn't you know i think it it felt weird to me that it was also they decided this was the week that we'd also tell another asgardian story well see to me someone who hadn't seen thor i was all worried about spoilers about the movie so i'm (laughs) thinking that this whole berserker staff was something that showed up in the movie and now is in the is in the episode no see i would have been on board with that like, yeah. like if uh, a piece of the staff had showed up in the, as in the part movie, of yeah. as part of the the wreckage of the movie or something like that, and then it tied into that would have been completely different. Then it would have actually tied into uh, the type of thing. But it feels too weird, too much when they're just like, oh, Thor's, uh, you know, he's off the radar, you know, <laughs> and you're just like, well, then stop talking about him. <laughs> right. you know? Well, to to bring up what you were brought up, Kyle, about Asgardians being uh, talked about as aliens instead of gods, I think um, that's sort of reinforcing the general idea that's been in the Marvel cinematic slash TV universe that there there's no such thing as magic. Anything that appears to be magic is either advanced technology um, or some sort of science that we don't know about. So I think they were just kind of reinforcing that, that um, there's, there are basically these aliens that have – you know, come to Earth, you know, centuries ago, and were mistaken for gods because of the the powers and everything they had. So, um, yeah, I, I can see though where that confusion would come in, where people would be like, "Well, wait a second, I thought that was like the whole thing about Thor and his ilk that they were gods." But yeah, so the the other thing about this episode is that made it uh, you know less than great as than sort of what my expectations were going into it. Uh, was that I read a couple of interviews with, uh, you know, the people behind the show, and they mentioned that in those interviews that we were going to get, uh, that this was also going to be sort of a backstory episode uh, for uh, for Ward, you know, for Agent Ward. Right. And you barely got anything. Like, there was, like... <laughs> you got something happened to his brother. But he's already yeah. mentioned that. You know, like this just showed you that it it, there was something about a well and and whatnot, and you're just like, 
That was confusing, yes. And that he had the, you know, and so I was expecting much like we've gotten, you know, some a little bit more significant backstory stuff for each character in previous episodes, you know. You you've gotten some sky backstory, uh you've gotten some, you know, Fitz and and Simmons backstory, uh and, you know, like I supposedly the next episode is supposed to give you some more of uh Ming-Na's character's backstory. Uh but, you know, how much <laughs> this yeah, so i was getting, i was yeah, looking right. forward to finding out more about ward but we got like nothing pretty much it was like that so that was a, another disappointment on but it it was set up by the people that write the show telling me that this was coming and i was right. like oh man so it was i i just think that this this story while good didn't come off as well as it could have if they would have just told it some other time uh, in the in the run of this first season. Yes. But uh, which maintains the sort of uh, roller coaster that this show <laughs> is on. They start to do some good things. And because uh, I have also read some articles where people are complaining that there's like there's like no character development, you know, and I was like, yeah, there's no character development in the first two or three episodes. But as of episode six and seven, we've gotten some. Yeah, interesting pieces yeah. of backstory for uh, lots of the the different characters, uh, and whether you can whether you think it's enough or not, I guess <laughs> for me, like this Ward backstory was not nearly enough of adding anything to that character. Uh, I think it, that was a sort of a, a wasted moment. If this was supposed to be his back, you know, in the first right. handful of episodes, if this was supposed to be the episode where you learn more about him, uh, I don't think that worked. It didn't work well. Yeah. But uh, I am looking forward to hopefully uh, we get some more backstory on on a Ming Na's character because she's sort of the stoic, quiet one. <laughs> yes, the, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that because I like I like her character and um, adore the actress. So I, I've liked everything she's been in, and I'm glad that she's on um, a show like this. And I, I hope she is for many years, or if it doesn't do well, that she immediately gets on something else. I did like the line at the beginning where sky was like, come on, tell me flying an alien ships, not on your bucket list. <laughs> and, and she kind of, <laughs> yes. and she kind of smiles a little bit, you know, <laughs> like, yes. that actually, that would be cool, you know, yes. type of thing. So, you know, at least they gave her a, a little something there, but, uh, still a show that I think has, potential to work itself out but uh and hopefully it will but i i want to know from both of you what do you think about the thing i think it's mostly missing is an overarching story that they've hinted at it a little bit with the you know the centipede thing and stuff but then they started to give you a little bit more of that with the scorch episode and then they've like completely gone away from it then it's not even mentioned I'll, I'll be brutally honest here. I think that um, I'm of the firm opinion that Joss Whedon's brother and his brother's wife are not ready to run their own show because I think they're partly, if not mostly, to blame for kind of the schizophrenic feel of the show. I, I think either Joss Whedon should have been predominantly involved with it or they should have picked stronger showrunners because I just it, – I don't think it's got a, a good captain and a good direction, and I think they're just like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Oh, that's a great script. Let's let's do that. 
and I don't think they're taking enough of because they do have some great writers working for the show, but I don't think they're taking enough of, no, this is how the show is going to go. I think they are still thinking of themselves as being part of the writer's room and as part of the writers, and they're not they're not being firm and taking the ship on a good direction. That, that's just my opinion. So I, I have hopes that it will um, – it will improve and do even better in the second half of the first season, but I'm starting to wonder in the back of my mind if we're running into another dollhouse situation, which is another show that never seemed to have a firm direction and changed at a moment's notice and suffered for it and went away. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen to S.H.I.E.L.D. So there you go. You wanted my opinion, you got it. <laughs> so what do you think, Kyle? Well, well, see, at least with Dollhouse, it felt like there was an ongoing story. It wasn't just a story of the week where here it seems like it's just like just separate there's not really any continuity between episodes there might be a line here and there like i think in this week's episode there was one line about jumping out of the airplane uh with uh simmons or fitz whichever one she is uh but (laughs) other than that um there really isn't a whole lot of continuity between the episodes and they really need that that one story that goes through and like you said they dropped that like after the third episode like there was that whole thing um i forget whatever uh group she was part of initially and they just seemed to have dropped that whole idea uh that sky was part of i'll also say from a production standpoint i think part of their problem is one of their executive producers and probably head writers is uh jeff Loeb, who was also given that status on Heroes, which was another show that went completely schizophrenic once he had more input. And I I am not happy about his involvement in the show. I wish he was not part of it, because I think that would help as well. Um, I just, yeah, they just need to have a a single showrunner that'll come in and say, this is the show we're making. Write the scripts for that. We're not just going to put your script on because it's really cool and sounds neat. Yeah, because see, the thing that seems to me that it's missing to me is is having like a bigger like a bigger thing out there. Like, there's lots of stuff. You know, Shield's involved in lots of stuff. They're trying to you know protect humanity from all these different weird things and stuff like that. And but you've seen that there's this other group, and that seems like that should be like the rival sort of big bad. Yes, and that they've had some run-ins with them. Uh, you know, a couple times. And so it should seem like that should be part of their like bigger core mission is finding out more of that. But, and, but with that is you get from time to time, you get episodes that tie directly into that storyline, but the other episodes that where you're, you know, you do these other standalone stories or other, you know, the other fun things, ideas that you come up with, you still throw in some stuff at the beginning or ends of episodes or somewhere along the line, that lets you know that this is an important group that we're trying to find out about over here uh, type of thing. And so that would be, you know, something that I think the show needs uh, more of. It would give it a better, it would give it a more, because right now they have like five different overall mysteries going along and they're all sort of disparate and they sort of move some of them along and others not so much. And uh, so that would be, I think, what the show needs is a major big story to push the whole thing forward. And not just uh, 
what happened to Colson. Yeah. That's not enough yeah. of a big story. Well, that's not enough of a of a big story. You know, that's one of the five like mini mystery type of things that they've got going on. Uh, that's an interesting side story. It'd be better if that was one of the things that they were doing, but there was also this other bigger story uh, that was driving the whole thing uh, along. That you know, that would be uh, what I think the show needs. Yeah, uh, and it would give it an overall more cohesive sort of feel that there's that there's a point more than just a what weird thing are they going to come upon this week? Yeah. Uh, and it seems to me is sort of the problem that X-Files ran into where they established this huge conspiracy with these aliens invading the earth and people higher up in the FBI trying to kill or discredit Mulder and Scully. And then you'd have stories with that. And then the next week is like, Oh, Hey, there's a monster attack in Virginia. Let's go. No, you don't show up for work the next day. If that's happening, you know, I mean, <laughs> wouldn't you want to try to figure out who's trying to kill you instead of going and investigating the monster? And this sort of seems to the same thing with shield. Like you said, they set up this bad group that's out there and they're the next week. They're like, Oh yeah, you know, everything's cool. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah, the, the, there's a group out here trying to like create super powered humans, you know, <laughs> right. For, for uh, nefarious purposes, don't you, don't you think that that would be a bigger deal? Yes. So, although I'm glad we don't have like a superpowered human of the week every week, that would get a little. Uh, that seems to be boring. the problem that a lot of people are having with Shield, and while I hate it because they're like, well, "We're the superheroes, and we're not having stuff for the movies." And to me, that was kind of the point that this was like what happens in between those, and you know, all the other stuff that occurs when there's not superheroes around and so i'm just, I, I, like you i'm glad it's not like oh look it's luke cage this week and yeah next week oh dr strange you know so yeah yeah i think uh maybe for the uh you know the next sweeps period you'll get maybe you know somebody else from the marvel universe will show up or something that uh yeah i'm sure a season finale will have <laughs> somebody from the movie show up so that's uh marvel's agents of shield and uh, we'll move on to the next show on our list, which is uh, Arrow, a show that's uh, doing well, I think, doing really well in the uh, the sort of comic book space. Uh, the last episode being Season 2, Episode 7, uh, State vs. Queen. And uh, Kyle, you're not watching this one, right? You I, did wa- I did watch this episode. You did watch this but... episode, but you don't watch normally. No, no. I, I haven't watched since uh, season one. I, I watched all of season one, and then I, I just came back, and it was like, all my notes are like, hey, that's a guy from Spartacus. Hey, that's a guy from Teen Wolf. Hey, that's a guy from Orphan Black. <laughs> it's like, do they change up the entire cast for season two? Like, there's all kinds of new characters. No, well, some uh, of those characters no, got added in. Some yeah. of those characters got added in at the end of, uh, at the end of season one, and... Uh, but yeah, they there's other there's other ones that have started to become a little more prominent and stuff in the but uh so we'll start with you, Joe. What do you, what do you think of uh Arrow? And, I actually uh, do watch the show. And this but, week's uh, uh and this week's sort of big reveal. I like Arrow overall because I think it's a really strong show. It started out um as a really good show and totally built on that in the first season and the second season just right out of the gate was an even more improved show. Not that I thought it needed to be improved, but it just took things to another level. The big thing I like about Arrow is they get the characters in situations and they don't, um, they kind of build up these tough situations and they don't just have, 
a you know oh well they got out of it 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 leads to something else and as an example of that um, having Oliver Queen's mother basically on trial for the murder of 500 people they resolved that they didn't drag it out they created the drama over a few episodes and they resolved that in a positive way but it led to a bigger storyline and a huge reveal so they 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 like putting themselves in tight corners and then doing something kind of crazy and outrageous to further that storyline or to result. So I appreciate that. And I thought I was totally taken aback by the reveal at the end of this episode and totally surprised by it. And I'm very excited to see what they do with it. Yeah. Cause it's one of those type of reveals that you're like, how did that not make it out? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. They, they keep that under their hat because you'd pretty much gone uh, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I was I was shocked by the the first season finale, and that like the the overall big bad that you don't normally necessarily see them get killed off, you know, like in a, right in this. And so it's interesting to have him pop back up because I it was sort of one of those things, and you're just like, was he actually you know uh, dead? But uh, you know, and but but it makes even more sense because they've they've shown through this season that he was part of you know the uh, the League of Assassins group, which you know you find out that's how he got his skills and uh, and stuff. And so it'll it'll be interesting to have that sort of big bad re reappear or at least uh, in the shadows sort of thing because uh, you even had you know Oliver going this doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, yeah. like I'm glad that my mom's out, but this, 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 uh, like no jail time whatsoever, completely exonerated type of thing is, uh, was like yeah. too far. It doesn't make sense to him. It just seems like on, on lesser shows, they would just have her exonerated and the characters will be like, Oh, we're so happy for that. And on a show like this, like arrow takes the extra step of, there's a reason for it. We're not just doing it to, because we don't know what to do with that storyline. We, we have a reason for it. And here's the reason everyone's like, Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, they're doing very good with that on this show. Yeah. And, and interesting uh, to, to going forward. I mean, you, you sort of saw that when the reveal of uh, the affair, you pretty much assumed that who Thea was actually going to be. Uh, yeah, that was like yeah, it was kind of a double whammy at the end there. It's so, like, hey, uh, look who's back and, and look who. Whoa, okay. And so <laughs> you you get confirmation on that, and you see him back. And but I think it'll be interesting to go forward because to see what uh, like what his psychosis is now because he was like trying to take out the glades because his wife had died at the hands of a, you know a criminal from the glades. But yet his son died in the glades at his hand, basically, because right. he went in to try and save somebody else. But it was, uh, you know, he created the disaster that that killed his son. But then finding out that he ha now has another uh, child, see what his, sort of his psychosis going forward is. Uh, well, it's a smart way to do those kind of mysteries, too, because it's not being dragged out. They very easily could have written a line where he's like, and we both know that I'm really the father of one of your kids. Dun, dun, dun. Instead, it just came right out with it. it the character it's, herself doesn't know, and none of the other characters know except for these two, and we as the audience. And to me, it's like, okay, so now 
how's that going to play out? I'm kind of alluding back to the mystery of Coulson. If Coulson himself found out how he came back to life or one of the characters on the show found out, to me that would be more interesting than nobody knowing. Because then we would know, and then you instead know. they keep they keep hinting at that there's some people that know, you right. know, like in the first episode they're like he can never know, you know, type of thing. Yeah, and, it's like just tell us stuff, it's and fine. you're just like, okay, but you can have somebody else find out, and then have somebody go, but you can't tell them, and this is why, and then right. the audience knows, and uh, to me that you know Arrow is a perfect example of a show. Uh, akin to S.H.I.E.L.D. or any of the other genre shows that has strong showrunners or a strong showrunner in that they this is where we're going to go at the end of this season. Write your scripts to lead us in that, and we're going to add pieces to your scripts to get us there instead of just saying, give us some cool Green Arrow scripts and we'll put them on the air. They have a, an idea and they have a strong direction, and they're keeping to that. And they may alter details of it as we go and ideas occur to them, but they're still, it feels like Arrow knows what it's doing. See, you guys were talking about the, the daughter thing. This reminds me of the, the conversation a little while ago about The Walking Dead, how they've never heard of zombies. It's like, have these people <laughs> never seen a drama? Like, when the mother tells them she has an affair, why isn't the first thing one of those kids says is, is he my dad? As soon as, <laughs> like, why wouldn't that pop into their mind as soon as she admits to having an affair? Yeah, especially That's if they admit enough. to having, a, having an affair, say, I don't know, what, like, 18 years ago, or like yeah. however old she yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Type of thing. Uh, that's a fair point. I will concede that point. Yes. Yeah. Th- those type of things. Yeah. Those, those could be funny, but I think they, they did a pretty good job with this, but I think arrow, I, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the show, I think the thing that's interesting about it is with this sort of five year on the Island backstory that they keep revealing, I think that they have like some idea of like sign of like road road markers along the way. They may not have like every detail of every story or exactly how they're going to get there down, but they have an idea of this is what season two is. And these are the, and, and the backstories will tie into this, the stories we're telling here. And but that they had an idea going into the series as a whole as to what some of those things, the arc of him on the island was going to be. And because I, I, I mentioned this before, too, is, you know, when you have that first pilot episode and Oliver shows up and he's got some computer tech skills and, uh, you know, and all this stuff. And you're just like, how did he do that on a deserted island? Like, how did right. he how did he get? And so now you're starting to see, you know, he wasn't always on the island. He ran into lots of other people searching for other things. Yes, and so they're they're widening things out, uh, but I think they have this overall idea, you know, going into it. That you know, if they come up with good ideas along the way, not to say that they won't deviate, you know, some or whatever, but that it doesn't feel like they're winging it from episode to episode or season to season, yeah, and with the story yeah. that they're telling. I really like about the show. Like I said, it feels feels like they they know where they're going. The way they get there may not be the same as they originally thought, and it may be cooler. But 
in, in a way, too, that makes any ideas they come up with along the way or any deviations they take that much more interesting because they still know they're gonna, we're going to get to this point, even if we don't know what it is. But it just it just feels like the, they're heading on a course, whereas S.H.I.E.L.D. and some other shows this year don't quite have the feel to it. Yeah, where, again, I'll go back to one of the interviews I read about S.H.I.E.L.D. where they said that they have a solid two-year plan in place. And I was like, I beg to differ. (laughs) Really? Okay. Or if you do, please get to it already. (laughs) Let's see some of it. At the end of the second year, they're going to reveal what happened to Coulson. That's their two-year plan. All right. So, uh, so, so far, uh, up on Almost Human, up on Sleepy Hollow, so-so on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., up on Arrow, and lastly, on our list, uh, Doctor Who, The Day of the Doctor, uh, the 50th anniversary special. And, uh, Kyle, I know you watch, you watch, how how long have you been watching Doctor Who? Just since Uh, the reboot, or have you gone back and watched older stuff? Just, pretty much just the reboot. I know I saw some Fourth Doctor stuff when I was a kid on PBS and thought it was always just very odd and, and very low quality, but I never really watched, like, religiously on when I was a kid. And Joe, you've watched, like, lots of it, right? Not just the reboot? I've been watching the show for close to 40 years now. So, uh, and it instantly became my favorite show and has remained my favorite show all these years. Okay, so I'm at the we've got uh we've got somebody that's been that's been watching uh, has seen lots of it since its inception. Uh we have somebody that's been watching it since the reboot and we have me who's been watching it since the changeover from well the two doctors that we get in this <laughs> yes <laughs> in this, in, uh, in the 50th anniversary special. I've seen a few episodes from uh you know the when in the first, Eccleson. Th- yeah, Eccleston, and uh, and a couple others from earlier on. But basically, I've been watching every episode since the the regeneration episode where we where Matt Smith was introduced is basically where I've been watching it. So there's the there's the baseline for the conversation. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Joe, as the. Uh, what did you think? Well, not as the old man, but as there would be more things in this episode that you would recognize that you might come across, you know, that you might recognize and know more about uh, than where I I watch it and go, I think that's probably something from, you know, the his, historical type Doctor Who things, but uh, I don't really know. So uh, what did you think of the 50th anniversary special? I thought it was pretty brilliant. Um, I'm going to say that Stephen Moffat, who is running the show right now and wrote this episode, um, was basically in an impossible situation. There's no way he was going to write a 50th anniversary special that was universally loved. I mean, there's just no way because you have uh, longtime fans like me or even people that have been watching it since it first began that are they were already screaming on the Internet that there's no way that this can be a true 50th anniversary unless every single actor who ever played the doctor and ever played a companion is in this and gets some sort of nod and, and all that. And, uh, there's no way you can do that because obviously a lot of them are dead. Um, but I, 
I don't know. I, I think he was in an impossible situation. I think he did a fantastic episode and an incredibly great uh, love letter and moments to the fans and did a terrific job of celebrating kind of the history and the past of the show while at the same time moving things forward. Um, he resolved uh, one of the main driving forces of the show since it came back as far as the doctor and his sort of uh, guilt over a certain situation. They resolved that in a way they um, managed to work in actually having all the doctors in it at one point. They managed to um, do kind of a very nice cameo in tribute to uh, someone who's arguably the uh, most recognized and favorite actor to play the doctor ever, Tom Baker, um, in a very curious scene that um, was sort of, uh, you know, talking about how we did, how I did like magic and stuff earlier, that it was always science, but it was a magical moment. There was a few kind of looks to the camera that were nods and winks to the audience. Um, and they also kind of fundamentally changed the mythos of the character in that there are more incarnations than originally thought. So, um, that is all to say, as a longtime fan and my favorite show, um, I was absolutely uh, blown away by the episode and thought it was fantastic and a worthy uh, episode to be the 50th anniversary celebration of the show. So, yes, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about you, Kyle? I found it very satisfying. Like, I just really enjoyed it. Um like especially the interplay between uh, ten and eleven, I thought those two were just hilarious together on screen, and like they did those scenes like so well. Um, if there was anything, I, I wish there were more doctors in it, like as part of the story rather than just concentrating on the two and then this new one that they inserted. Um, and I especially wish they had pulled in Eccleson since he was like the only one missing in the chain um, from this eight and a half doctor to. 10 and 11. I wish somehow they had convinced him to do it. I'm sure it's, he didn't want to do it, but I wish they had somehow worked him in. But overall, like the, the one thing I didn't like was at the end, it almost seemed like they sort of like just waved their hands and now he forgets. So they're sort of back to the old story again. Like he forgets that they really saved the planet, but, uh, so he still feels the grief in order to work it back so they didn't rewrite all of these characters. But, but I mean, overall, I, I thought it, the whole thing I found really enjoyable to watch. And it's definitely – I did manage to see it in 3D, and it's definitely the way you want to see it. It's, uh, it's, it was designed for 3D, and it looks great in 3D. Well, they they had a lot of the, the 3D art. <laughs> yes, yes. That those scenes had to have looked pretty good. Uh, I, I I quite enjoyed it. I I like the show in the way that it does its timey wimeyness. Uh, that you you see things take place and then it comes back around. Like uh, you have him in in different places and you see you know somebody taking a call and then later on you find out that it was you know that it's the doctor making that call even yeah. though he had just walked out of the room and. Then they figured out how to place themselves into the art that's now been moved into so they can get into the vault. Uh, you know, all that stuff that they that they do, uh, just a, a lot of fun uh, with that that style of storytelling. Uh, but then also the, the interaction of the doctors together was... <laughs> 
uh, was uh, was quite a lot of fun too. Just uh, seeing them play off each other. Uh, you know, the scenes like where they both put their glasses on and then they <laughs> they're like, oh, <laughs> 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 or they're you know they're comparing their screwdrivers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. type of thing, <laughs> like compensating for something. Uh, you know. <laughs> And uh, you know there was a, there was just a lot of you know a lot of fun moments uh, in the episode, but I think it did you know from somebody that you know has a cursory understanding of you know the Doctor Who universe, I thought it did a good job of sort of tying some things up, but then also putting them on a trajectory forward uh, that also tied in some things that you learned in the the season seven finale. And uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, where it goes next. I I thought it was pretty cool that they also just very briefly popped in the new doctor there at the end when they had all the other doctors showing up. I thought that was a really cool way to uh, not just sort of tip your hat to what's coming, but also pay homage to all the previous ones uh, by having them show up and it seemed like they were all flying in to uh uh you know to protect the planet uh i thought you know just a lot of it uh a lot of it worked really well and you know just i don't know they just have so much fun and i like i said the timey wiminess of it they've set that up that you just sort of buy into in this universe <laughs> you buy into that that uh you know these that the, the times can cross and they're going all over the place and and even if it doesn't quite work out you know it works out you know it's yeah. it, you yeah. still you still buy into it and it speaking neil, neil i think it was neil gaiman that brought up the fact that doctor who is less less science fiction but more kind of a a fairy tale type of story and that's the sort of not that it you know breaks you know the laws of science and stuff like that but that's sort of as far as storylines the the kind of arena that it's working in and that uh timelines can cross occasionally and when they uncross the people previously will forget about it because they they've had many multiple doctor stories before and you know the question obvious question should be well the current doctor should know how to work everything out because he should remember it but you can't as a story device that would be boring because the episode would be over in like five minutes. So you have to work in something to explain why he would forget it. And you know, well, they, they you know the timelines are crossed, and when they cross, you know, you won't remember this and stuff. The implication being that the current guy does remember it, which will sort of propel the story forward. So um, there are, I would say, even in the classic series, there are things that you have to forgive and things that you have to uh, throw, you know, your, your disbelief out the door about otherwise, sure, the stories won't make sense, but it's fun. It's a fun show and it's not meant to be, you know, Asimov level, hardcore science fiction, you know, so it's a family show and it's enjoyable. And, th- and this episode, no less so, I think this is one of the best episodes they've done in a while. I really kind of pulled out all the stops and just went for a whole lot of fun. They even got to make fun of some of the, you know, the tropes they've made up in the show. So to, you know, where the, you know, timey wimey and David Tennant's doctor who created that or originated that phrase, going, oh, I don't know where he got that from. You know, it's just little, <laughs> yeah. little fun asides and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm quite pleased with it. I've already watched it twice and I'll be watching it 
much more over the next week. Yeah, I think I, John Hurt, I thought, at first I was upset there inserting like that eight and a half doctor, but I think he actually did a really good job. And I, I liked his interplay as like the asking if he was having a midlife crisis with the uh, two young yeah. doctors and just his yeah. interplay with them. It was like perfect. Like the, the one thing I didn't quite understand was why they put uh, Rose in there. That was just a little odd. It seemed to not really serve a purpose. And I, it's like, we just want to add Billy Piper into this special, so we'll find some way to squeeze her in. That was she the purpose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, basically. I think as the avatar of the moment, they could have picked, if it had to have been a companion, um, they could have picked um, any number of the handful of companions from the past in the classic series who had died or met a tragic end. I think that would like Adric. Uh, if you know, I don't know if you guys know who that companion is, but that would have added to me more weight to that role. Um, so yeah, it was kind of odd that it just happened to be Rose, and then especially you know David Tennant's doctor never seeing Rose. Which it, it seems like if you're going to bring her back, that you at least have them interact somewhat or something. I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, he he doesn't. Uh... He doesn't see you don't have any interaction between present companion and previous companions or anything like that. Uh, yeah. But I think, uh, you know, given what they were doing, I mean, but they even had fun with that in that she's like, well, I'm from your past or or your future. I don't don't even really know. I love the line. That, oh, the interface is hot. She's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really nice having her play against um, John Hurt because I don't. And John Hurt's always fantastic watch on screen. And my my concern going into this was that since he was the War Doctor, that he was going to be very, very dramatic and very serious. And, and but he totally convinced me that he could have easily been an incarnation of the doctor and it, they just did fantastic with that. It's, um, I, I could probably talk for another two hour podcast on, uh, <laughs> this episode, but, uh, and, and in fact, I think along those lines, the only way they probably could have satisfied every single viewer is if they had made like a four hour, you know, episode and, and all that. So I, I, I don't know. I think they did a great job in celebrating 50 years and pushing the story forward. Did you see the um, on the BBC website? I had tweeted out a link. They posted some five-ish doctors reboot. That was hysterical. They <laughs> they did this whole thing. The Peter Davison play the fifth doctor wrote and directed this thing, and it was basically um, several of the classic doctors or actors who played the doctors attempting to try to get themselves invited to participate in the 50th anniversary show, and that was hysterical. Was it, it was basically like life is short, but with these doctors, uh, at least washed up doctors that couldn't get a job and trying to get a job yes. on the yeah. on this anniversary special. If you, I, I can send you the link, Jason, so you can post it along with the uh, with All this. Right. It's hilarious. Like I didn't even watch the the old series, the classic series, but this is just so much fun to watch. Yeah. It's a, and it's a nice little footnote too. The day of the doctor, and along those lines too. If uh, there, if people want to actually have the classic doctors in a multi-doctor 50th anniversary story, uh, Big Finish Productions, who does a bunch of the uh, Doctor Who audio plays with the original actors, 
did a 50th anniversary special called The Light at the End, and it has um, all the surviving doctors uh, from Tom Baker to Paul McGann in a adventure together and even cameos for the from the first three doctors. So there you go. There's a good uh, addendum to uh, your 50th anniversary Doctor Who celebrations. All right. And I think uh, that'll put an end to the uh, primetime segment of the podcast. And uh, we'll move on to uh, TV on DVD releases. Uh, got a couple of uh, things. Uh, well, do you got one, Joe? You got a pick? You know, I actually do have a pick. I, and there is a Doctor Who release this, uh, this week that I'm not going to pick, um, only because everyone probably already has the episodes. Um, I'm actually going to pick um, the complete series release of the original uh, Hawaii Five-O show, not the remake, but the old one with Jack Lord, which is uh, still a fantastic show to this day. And they finally have a whole complete box set just in time for the holidays. Yeah, well, uh, what are the odds? <laughs> imagine that. Um, I, I'm, I've always been a big fan of Hawaii Five-O. I love the remake, but the uh, the original show as a kid in reruns. Uh, actually, I think I even saw some of it in the uh, first run. was was always fun. It's a good, solid uh, kind of seventies cop show um, that is, is worth watching and worth revisiting. So I encourage people to go pick up that box set for themselves for Christmas or a loved one that they know would appreciate it. Yes. Uh... And don't be overly shocked when you see that episodes run like 52 minutes long. Ah, the good old days. Yes. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> uh, you're like, wait, they used to only have like seven, eight minutes of commercials per hour? How weird. I know. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Kyle, your pick? Uh, so I'm going with the Simpsons season 16. I couldn't tell you which episodes these are because <laughs> there's over 500, but I'm glad that they're, they're continuing to release them. And they're also even these older seasons they're releasing on Blu-ray, which is nice. Uh, they're up converting them. And so I, I think it's great that they're continuing to release them, even though pretty soon you're going to be able to see this like every hour on FXX. <laughs> but uh, it's nice. And then also, uh, I, I'm interested to check out Lilyhammer Season 1. Since I don't have Netflix, I saw that's that's also coming to, um, to Blu-ray and DVD uh, next week also. Yeah, the uh, sort of the first scripted series uh, from Netflix, but since it was co-produced, it, it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't go down as the as House of Cards went down as the first uh, scripted series from from Netflix uh, that was fully produced by them. Uh, so, so yeah, that uh, I never watched that that one either. But uh, but you know, season two is coming out pretty soon. So uh, yeah, there you go. And uh, I don't have a pick uh, for uh, uh, stuff coming out on December third, but I wanted to mention uh, uh, the IT crowd. Uh, which at some point will get a full set release, but the first four series are all on DVD, and uh, or you can find them on Netflix. But recently, I was on an episode of the Televerse and did a segment of their DVD shelf segment where we talked about the the IT crowd or the IT crowd or however you pronounce it. Uh, but one of my well, I don't know the official way to pronounce the title of the show. It is one of my favorite. Uh, British comedies and even favorite comedies. I can, uh, the episodes are highly rewatchable. And uh, so I will have, uh, there'll be links to all those DVDs and uh, also 
in the in the show notes, as well as a link to uh, that episode of uh, the Televerse podcast and uh, the previous uh, couple things that uh, Joe and Kyle mentioned in the show notes. And uh, also wanted to mention that uh, uh, those uh, those links are Amazon links, uh, affiliate links, which means we get a small percentage. Uh, but uh, as it is the holiday season, if you would like to buy people Christmas gifts and support the podcast, you can just go to tvtimes3.com slash Amazon, and uh, you'll get the same great deal as if you just went directly to Amazon, but we'll get a small percentage. And uh, so it's sort of the uh, win-win-win situation. Uh, Amazon makes a sale. You get a great deal. We get a s- small percentage to support the podcast. And uh, with that, uh, next week, uh, it'll be Amory or Ray. Not quite sure yet. One of the two will be on with me. And uh, our guest will be uh, Melissa Lowry from NiceGirlsTV.com. Uh, and uh, as always, you can find the links to the DVDs and the news stories we talked about, as well as you, where you can find Kyle and Joe online uh, in the show notes at TVTimes3.com slash 205. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the shows that we talked about. Uh, you can always drop us an email at feedback at TVTimes3.com or leave a comment in the show notes. And with that, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And uh, that'll do it. Thanks again, Joe and Kyle, for uh, joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. thanks. It was a lot of fun. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.